Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope found in Jesus. I'm Robin, and I'm one of your podcast hosts, and we are on summer break. So we are bringing you six weeks of listener favorites, and this week is Sophie Hudson, who actually aired in the fall of 2021. Her story is about God calling her to something and wrestling with that and eventually following his lead. We know you will love it. And here is Sophie. Hi, everyone. This is Katie. And before we get to Sophie's story, I just wanted to let you know that we are so excited that this week we are now shipping When God Shows Up, Discovering God and Stories of Freedom. This is an eight-week Bible study that just takes eight of our podcasts And we really look into how God showed them what living a life of freedom looks like. You're going to, like I said, hear eight different women, and you're going to hear things about living living a life of freedom in Christ. You're going to hear about living from freedom from your past. You're going to hear about living in humility and forgiveness and how that brings freedom to you. And let me tell you something. If you are like, I really want to do this, but I don't want to lead a small group. How am I going to lead a small group? Guess what? We have a facilitator's guide for you, and it literally walks you through leading a small group. It makes it so very simple. That is a book that you can find on our website as well. It will just make it very simple in leading a small group. So I hope if God is laying on your heart to get together a few women to go through this study, that you'll take that step and purchase the Bible study and leader's guide today. Have a great week. So this is not the story that I thought I was going to tell. I was about halfway into working through the other story when this story popped to mind. And I was like, oh, I don't I don't know that I've ever told that story publicly. And I, I know I haven't ever told it on the podcast before. But the more I thought about it, the more I hoped that maybe this story would be something that would encourage somebody who finds himself in a similar spot to where I was Uh, several years ago. I am somebody who has always loved to write. I remember when I was in second grade, I had a dance recital and I sat down at this secretary in my parents' living room and I wrote all about it, what would have essentially amounted to a press release if anybody had cared to, to read it. And I have always processed stuff in my life by writing it down. So when I was 14 or 15, I started keeping a journal about all my very deep 14 and 15 year old feelings. I went on, I majored in English. I went to grad school in English. I always loved the personal essay. I love to get my thoughts on paper. I grew up in Mississippi. And so I read the Clarion Ledger every day, Jackson's newspaper. And I had my favorite columnist and I always thought, oh my word, that would be the coolest thing to be able just to write about everyday life. But how do you do that? I don't know how you do that. And so I journaled consistently until I was married. And then I picked it up again a few years later when I was teaching a class at the school where I was at the time called Senior Composition. So I was helping seniors in high school figure out how to write and figure out how to use their voices. And then after we moved to Birmingham, when our son was about two, I decided that I was going to start a blog. I had been reading blogs for a couple of years and um, I just needed an outlet. I needed I needed a place to put my feelings and my thoughts. And it was just a really good way for me to decompress. And for whatever reason, you know, you just, you don't, you don't know why the Lord wires you the way he does. But I can remember telling my husband that when I would sit down and write those blog posts, it felt like I was, I was doing the thing I was meant to do. I couldn't explain why I couldn't explain how Um, it it seemed kind of dumb, honestly, to me that considering the stuff I was writing about, you know, like cereal 
or um, my favorite deli meat, but I just felt like connecting to people through writing was the thing I was meant to do. It was different. And so over the next few years, the blog grew a little bit by a little bit. I never had a post go viral. I never tried to build an audience. I never had a logo or never thought about trademarking a slogan. I just wrote in whatever little pockets of time that I could find. And I loved it. I loved it. But here's the thing. I would have never, ever called myself a writer. I think like so many of us, I have always been first in line to (laughs) diminish or to even dismiss the ways that the Lord has given me an ability to serve or encourage. Now, part of that is probably because as somebody who was born and raised in the South, I have a certain degree of false humility that's just like embedded in me, right? It's just that whole like, oh, you know, this whole thing. I just grabbed this on my way out the door when I spent 45 minutes trying to put together something to wear. But probably a bigger part of that, I would say strong inclination to to dismiss or to diminish has been fear. Um, If I don't name it, if I don't trust it, if I don't hope for it, if I don't get too committed to it, then I can't be hurt if I fail at it. So the good part of that, I guess, is that whatever you're doing, whether you're serving children or you're serving in your local church or you're serving in your job, if you have that tendency to diminish and dismiss, you kind of hold whatever you're doing with an open hand because you kind of expect that it'll go away at any moment. Uh, But there was still always the sense when I was writing that I was doing the thing that I was made to do. Nothing has ever felt more natural, more life-giving, and nothing has ever made me feel more connected to the Lord um, in terms of something that I would use to serve other people in some small way. There was just this low-level nag. It was almost like a persistent buzzing when I would sit down at the computer that I wasn't good enough to call myself a writer. I wasn't a person who would write books. I, I wasn't a person who would encourage people in the faith in that way. And so even the thought of writing a book felt really presumptuous to me, a little bit like who in the world did I think I was? It felt a little pie in the sky, maybe, maybe even a smidge delusional. And I just, I just disqualified myself over and over and over again. I just, so, so where I landed was, you know what, I'm just going to have this blog and that's great. And it, listen, it, it was, it was great, but there was just no need to kind of think about what door might be next. Because after a while, you know, that was something that people kind of started to to suggest and to say, no need to waste my fear of failure or feelings of inadequacy. I would just kind of sit tight in that lane and that that would be it. And I would be a blogger, but I would not be a writer. I really needed to, (laughs) to make a distinction there, even though they're essentially the same thing. So after probably four or five years of doing the blog, I was, I loved writing as much as I ever had, but I was really in a back and forth with God about whether writing a book was something I should do. Because I, again, I was, I thought of all the reasons why I wasn't good enough. I wasn't qualified. I'd use the word y'all too much. Like I I don't see how there is space for me here. And I, I think this is something we all do when we're walking out something that God has compelled us to do. I think there are times when we hit a wall and we think, wait, 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 hold on. I love this, but the next step of this will be way too vulnerable. I can't imagine what that would feel like. And so it feels really risky. It feels really discouraging that somebody might hate it. So I could recognize God has given me a love for writing. 
maybe even an ability to write in a way that people responded to about things like chicken and opportunities to encourage people through writing. But I was just a hard no on the book thing because clearly God had never heard about Amazon reviews, right? Like God had never heard about the fact that a stranger could go on the internet and say really mean things about something that I I put out there. Um, But what I didn't know is that there would be a morning, a really ordinary morning that would change so much of that for me. It was early in 2011. I think it was February, may have been January, but I was home a little later in the morning than I would have normally been because we had a delayed start for school. It was kind of a classic Birmingham ice storm situation, which means they told us we were going to have an ice storm and we didn't. But I was uh, home because school was starting late and I was putting on my makeup and I was really like talking to the Lord in my head about the book thing. I think there was probably, there was a part of me that wanted to do it, but was so scared. And I was just rattling off so many thoughts in my head. And there was a a, a point in that when I was kind of, I was walking up and down the hall and I was saying things like, like, Lord, I don't think I'm a real writer. Lord, I don't know if you're in this or not. Lord, the fact that I write about football and my hair feels like sort of a limited skill set. Lord, I'm scared that people will hate what I write and they'll be mean to me. I'm a hard Enneagram nine in that way. And Lord, I don't know if I have anything to say. I'm just, you know, all the things. Well, the front of our house is is the hallway. When you walk in the front door, you're in a hallway that runs the length of the house. And I was going up and down that hallway. It's kind of our thoroughfare. And there are two side lights on either side. Well, there's one side light on either side of our front door. And as I was walking past the front door, something caught my eye. So I stopped and I looked out of that side light and I saw the strangest thing. It kind of stopped me in my tracks. So our house sits at the bottom of a really steep hill. So when you look outside, you can see the top of the driveway, but you can't really see the street. Um, the, The top of the driveway just sort of floats up there. And what I saw at the top of the driveway were 15 or 20 birds. It was the strangest thing because they, they weren't flying. It was a, it was a flock of birds, but they were just sort of meandering down our driveway. They were just kind of walking in a pack slowly down the driveway. It was the strangest sight um, as they approached the house. And I wasn't immediately sure what kinds of birds I was seeing. I wasn't not really a bird person, but I could see that they had distinct markings. And so since they weren't in any hurry, I was able to get a really good look at them. I mean, I don't, I don't know that I've ever seen birds like out on a stroll, but if one of them had taken out a parasol, it would not have surprised me. This was how slow they were coming down the driveway. And in the way that you just know, like way down deep in your knower, I had a sense that those birds were significant. And I had a sense that those birds were connected to my prayers. It struck me as really strange, but I was, I was dialed in, I was locked in. Um, And since I'm me, I just assumed that if I dug deeper into the significance of those birds, I would find out that they were like some variety that sang once and died, or they, you know, were like killer birds coming towards the house. So I stood there for a few more moments. And then it was like, it dawned on me, oh, you have Google. So I went to the living room where the computer was and I pulled up Google 
And here's what I typed in, birds with bright orange chest. Now you can say, Sophie, you should have known what those birds were, but I had no, I don't, I don't know the birds. So I, I didn't know. And so it took a whole second for me to find out that those birds that were coming down the driveway were American robins. And the description of those robins that I saw next, I couldn't even get over it because it says that those birds are known for their cheerful voice. And as I stood there and kind of stared at the computer screen, way down deep, I heard, not audibly, just way down deep, I heard, sometimes the world just needs a cheerful voice. And in that moment, as far as I was concerned, the Lord had settled it. Um, No more making 472 excuses. I didn't have to do or be anything other than who he had hardwired me to be in, in the kind of writing that I did. And it was a really profound moment in terms of all my ongoing attempts to try to discredit myself. I can't tell you how many times since then I have questioned whether whether something that I'm about to write matters. And I will hear that again in my head. Sometimes the world just needs a cheerful voice. Like you don't have to solve all the problems. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to have 17 degrees from seminary. Like sometimes the world just needs a cheerful voice. So I, I, I sat in that place for a while and about three months later, but, but there was still the, the fact that I didn't have an idea for a book. So that seemed like a little bit of a hindrance. And about three months later, I was folding laundry in our guest room. And I tend to use our guest room bed as sort of a drawer, really. It's like a king size drawer. You know, you just take the clean stuff and sort of throw it on there. But I was making my way through the laundry pile and out of what felt like absolutely nowhere, a phrase popped in my head and I I knew in that moment, this is a book title. This is not a blog post. This is not a magazine article. This is a book title. It was a little salty to cut the sweet. I thought about how my grandfather used to say it when he would finish a meal, when we would sit around the table and he would, he would eat his dessert. And he said, I think I, I need a little salty to cut the sweet. And within just a few minutes, I understood the structure of that book. I understood the content of that book. I knew what the the, the chapters were going to be roughly. I knew what the theme of that book was. and so now it, it was sort of, it was a little bit of a rubber meets the road moment. Like, okay, so you have an idea, what are you going to do with it? And I could say that I just, I just went to the computer and started to write, but I still fought because you know, that's just what we do. We just, we just will fight something. We'll get all caught up in our pride. So for the next few months, I kind of argued with God about taking that book to a publisher. Well, I didn't really argue. God didn't say take it to a publisher, but I just, that still felt so vulnerable to me. So I thought maybe I'll self-publish, which would have been great. But then I wrote two chapters and realized I needed an editor. I am a person who needs an editor. I also realized I do not know how to self-publish. So that feels like a hindrance. And in the fall of that year, three really significant things happened. One is I got an email out of the blue from an editor And she said, hey, if you're ever interested in writing a book, we would be interested in publishing that book. So that made me think, you know, okay, (laughs) maybe that's what you call an open door. The second thing was my friend Melanie, who I have a podcast with, she always has a way of just, she will just lay out the truth for me at times when I need to hear it the most. And she, she really that fall um, essentially said, you need to write the dumb book already and quit trying to think your way out of it. And then the third thing was I decided to reach out to a literary agent and see if maybe he might be interested in helping me. And so by the end of the year, I had done the book proposal. I had talked to publishers and I had a book deal. So what do you know? But there's more to this story because 
it was a couple of months after we agreed to the book deal when I got this big fold, this big manila envelope in the mail from my publisher. And in it was this folder that had a copy of my contract and it had my first, uh, the first half of my book advance. So I got the mail when we got home from school that day and I took it to our kitchen table, which is um, behind our kitchen table is this bay window. And I opened the envelope and our son, Alex, who was, I think, eight at the time, standing there with me. And, you know, and I say to him, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm, we're going to have a, an instructive spiritual moment. And so I said, Alex, this is, this is Ephesians 3.20. This is immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Like I was really bringing it. And then he came back with, as I was kind of rifling through that folder, he said, mama. And I, I said, what? And he said, look. And so, I mean, I had just laid down some spiritual truth. So I, you know, I was not particularly engaged in thinking what he was about to say was going to be super important. And he said, there's a robin in that tree. And right outside of that bay window in a tree, there was a robin. I had not seen one since the robins came down the driveway or hadn't noticed, but it was the sweetest thing for the Lord to do. It was the sweetest reminder of his kindness and his patience of just his goodness to us, his, the, the way that he will settle something in our hearts. It, it was just, it was amazing. Like it makes me emotional every time I think about it. Because it took me a long time and it took some births uh, for me to learn that when the Lord opens a door connected to how he has hardwired me to, to love and serve people, and we all have different ways that we're inclined to love and serve people. I can walk through those doors without fear. You can walk through those doors without fear. And what he decides to do on the other side of those doors is not up to us. The outcome of that is not necessarily our responsibility. I have a book coming out at the end of September. It's my sixth one. And I don't really know if any of the six are very good, honestly. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know, but I I know that he has been faithful again and again and again. And all he has asked me to do is, is to walk through the door, to be obedient, to, what he's asking in the moment. And as I have have tried as best I know how to walk through those doors every single time, every single time he has settled something in my heart and in my soul. Um, He has increased my compassion for people. He has taught me to relentlessly encourage other people in their giftings because we all sit in that space where we just think, I don't know, like, is this really real? Do I really get to do this thing, whatever it is? And listen, I feel like I love people more than I now than I did nine years ago. I trust him more than ever. And I think like so many of us, wherever he leads, I, I want to follow. So as I was thinking about the story and thinking about some of you who are listening to this and how we all are wondering and praying um, about how we can love and serve the people around you. Here's what I want to tell you. The Lord has given you good gifts. And those good gifts are for the good of the body and cry of the, or, sorry, those good gifts are for the good of the body of Christ and for your family members and friends and neighbors who may not know the Lord. So you can trust him as he leads you and shows you how he wants you to use those gifts. You, you can, without fear, walk through every door he opens. And again, there's wisdom that's a part of this, right? Because you don't do these things at the sake of destroying something else, but you don't have to be timid and you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to second guess if the gift is legitimate, because here's what I know for sure. If you know the Lord and you're aware of a certain way that he's gifted you, that gift is not a secret to anybody who knows you. I can almost guarantee you that that particular gift has already produced some really good fruit in your own life. 
And so as you extend that gift and share it with the body of Christ, it will bear good fruit. So you can trust it and you can trust him. Fear of man is always going to get a super sidetracked. Ask me how I know that when I wrote that first book, I kept a handwritten post-it note on my computer with Proverbs 29, 25 on it. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. So we can listen to the trustworthy voices around us. We can trust the Lord with how he has hardwired us to want to love and serve. And we don't have to, to use false humility or we don't have to be dismissive in order to, to keep ourselves safe because what keeps us safe is trusting in the Lord. The point of our service is always him and not us. So we want to live lives where we make the most of the time we have by making the most of the one who has made us and saved us. Loving and ministering to others will not always be easy. It's going to challenge us. It's going to push us outside our comfort zones. It's going to require us to lay down the things that we think maybe keep us safe or keep us protected. Um, And there may even be times where it's a little discouraging, but it will always, always be worth it because he will always be worth it. Last thing is there's a, a pastor named David Cassidy who used to pastor a church in Nashville. Now he's in Florida, I think. And it's, this is such a good reminder to me, something that he said, because when we're really firing on all cylinders with the gifts the Lord has given us, we may feel tempted sometimes to think that we need to really get busy building that thing up for ourselves. We want to remember to resist that temptation with everything in us. Here's what David Cassidy says. Brands are for cattle and platforms are for diving. Ministry is about service. Grab a towel, find some feet. So as you grab your towel and as you find some feet, I hope you will get out there and you will get after it because the Lord is so faithful and he has gifted you so intentionally. And whatever your gift happens to be, you were made for it. You were made for it. So just want to remind us of something that I think is the the whole point of the whole thing, which is from 1 Timothy 1, verse 17. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Sophie ends talking about your gifts and your calling. And I think so many times we can sit and go, what in the world is that? (laughs) How do I find that? And you know, one of the things that's so interesting to me, how this ties into storytellers is this was me years ago. Mm -hmm. Years ago, I knew that I wanted women to know what their calling was Mm -hmm. or to know how, because really your calling is, it's whatever you're passionate about. It can be anything. It doesn't have to just be ministry focused. And I would love to sit and talk with women at Starbucks and hear their story back in the day. And, but I had no idea how to transition that into my quote unquote calling. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know. I just like to sit and talk. <laughs> I mean, that's the bottom hey, line. <laughs> I like to talk and here I am. But the truth is that is what I loved. Yeah. I didn't know what it was going to look like. And so I just kept doing that and God opened door after door. And for real, now we sit and talk and I get to hear all the stories from all the storytellers all the time. You know, one of the things that Sophie said was just be obedient in the next step that mm-hmm. he's calling you to. And I think that's what you did. Robin with storytellers. You were just kind of obedient in the next step Mm -hmm. that he called you to do. One thing that, you know, there were so many different 
nuggets that I took yes. from her we story. Could go on for I know two hours. we really could. And and you know, one of the things that just really hit me was when she was sitting with her son and she was gonna have this great teaching moment on Ephesians three twenty <laughs> that God can do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine. And she started off uh, quoting that, but you know, the end of that verse says, according to the power that is at work within you. And I think that's one thing we as women, we just take on so much responsibility with the gift that God has given us. And we think it's, oh, it's all about us. We've right. got it. We've got to make right. this work. And God calls us to do things, but he wants to do it with his power working within us. All he wants us to do is, like Sophie said at the end of her story, is walk through that door. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a book that I read years ago that said, if you want to walk on the water, you've got to get out of the boat. (laughs) But but all he's calling you to do is step out of the boat and you keep your eyes focused on him and he's going to tell you what that next step is. I loved Sophie's story. It got me fired up (laughs) with ministry and just what can I do to serve God's kingdom? And and why as women do we think... Think, oh, I'm not a writer. I'm just yes. a blogger. Wow. Oh, I'm not a speaker. Yeah. I've just now come to the point where I confidently say, I help host a podcast. <laughs> you know, I, I said that Saturday night, I was at a wedding reception and a woman said, where do you work? And so I told her all about storytellers and I said, yes. I actually host a podcast. She nearly fainted. But, um, <laughs> But yes, as women, we, Mm -hmm. through what you're saying, Katie, through being equipped by the Lord, we should confidently say, here's what I do. A hundred percent. Yes, 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 yes. yes. The David Cassidy quote really hit me between the eyes. Mm -hmm. Again, as we we walk in ministry, the ministry of storytellers, brands are for cattle, platforms (laughs) are for diving, grab a towel and find some feet, which obviously is pointing to how Jesus washed the disciples' Mm -hmm. feet. Our job is to serve others. And, you know, that's just what it's all about. Yeah, I know. And once you find your calling and you are serving through his power and how he mm-hmm. has equipped you, there's really nothing mm-hmm. like it. And before we wrap up today, I just want to talk about what struck me the most during this story. It'll- was it the Robins? <laughs> was it the Robins? Robin, was this it the is Robins? Robin. Y'all, I think I might even cry talking about it. When she was sharing her story, I'm always muted on the other end when someone shares their story and we do it on Zoom. And I was so thankful I was muted because she told that story of disqualifying herself, like you were talking about, uh, Lindy, and these birds walking down the driveway. And I don't know birds either, so it meant nothing to me. And when she said the word Robin, my heart started beating so fast. And then that she talked about they were known for their cheerful voice. And I think it's so easy for us. Well, there's so many points in this that I don't even know where to start. But one, it's so easy to disqualify ourselves, especially like I feel like sometimes I'm just a cheerful voice. Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. I I used to say this thing of I'm not very deep. Like I just want to hang out. And that's not true. (laughs) I am deep. But I feel like I think because a lot of times I'm just joyful and I laugh a lot Uh that that I can stay real surface. Mm -hmm. And the truth is it's a cheerful voice. And so I heard that. And then when the Lord showed her the Robin again to confirm it, there was so much there. I mean, I I was breathing heavy. I'm like, (laughs) I'm a firm believer in signs and God showing you things. I I love, yeah, if you look, when something shows up to me one, two, three times in a row, I am paying attention to why that is. And so this one was not hard because it was my actual name. (laughs) 
this one was not tough. And you know, I love, Robin, that you share that a little bit in the story within the story mm-hmm. that you had with Sophie of just how emotional you got and how you felt like her story was directly speaking yes. to you. I loved it. I loved your interview with her. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite things that, that Sophie says in that interview talks about, you know, how do you know when God is calling you to do something? We wanted to share just this quote of hers with you and what her response was to that. Here she is. I, and I just, I really think the things where we are, where, where the Lord has an assignment attached, I think that even though logistically it can be challenging, even though, you know, it can even be overwhelming. I think that if you feel the peace of the Lord, when you are doing that thing, I think that is so significant because what he's not going to do is have you do that thing and feel super confused, right? So I just, I think that, that where, where the peace of the Lord is, that's the direction. Not now I would say, I feel the peace of the Lord when I'm at my house watching Netflix. Right. Um, so oh, <laughs> people, but, but oh there's, a, there's a combination of vulnerability and risk and peace that marks us when we are actively participating in what he has assigned to us. I hope that just gave you a little glimpse as to what our story within the story on Patreon is like. Again, as Robin mentioned at the beginning of our podcast today, you can go to patreon.com forward slash STL community and join today. We have so much more to offer you there. Stories within the story. We have bonus stories. We have Bible studies there as well, and it helps to support our ministry. We thank our patrons out there who are supporting us now, and we'd love to join you on that community as well. Thanks so much for listening this week. We hope you've loved Sophie's story. And we only have one more repost before the end of the summer and our new episodes start on August 17th. So have a great week and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.